From the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Discerning Marriage Podcast, hosted by Elizabeth Busby. Welcome to the Discerning Marriage Podcast. I'm Elizabeth, and I am so thrilled to have you here. Here at this podcast, we are going to help accompany you on the journey to discover if marriage is God's will for you. And if you already know marriage is God's will for you, then we're going to help you dive deeper into how to glorify God in your vocation of marriage. We are so excited about launching this podcast. If you are interested in kind of the history of where this came from, maybe who I am, how um, I came to fall in love with theology of the body or with discerning marriage, we actually have an intro episode for you. So you can push pause on this one and go listen to that one just to kind of get a a bit of foundation of how we got here. Otherwise, if you have listened to it or if you're just good to go, we are going to dive into this second episode of our podcast, which is going to be a discernment story. So I am really excited about these particular types of episodes. Uh, This idea kind of came about because I love, love, and I love hearing about how people came to fall in love, but not only with Jesus, but also with the person that they're with. And I thought it would be really neat to highlight some of these stories of people who um, successfully discerned their vocation to marriage and not only to the vocation itself, but to specifically the person that they were with. And so I'm really just thrilled to kind of bring you these stories. Um, And I hope that they will bless your life. Not only will they be fun, hopefully, to listen to, but they will also kind of give you some insight into the ways that God moves in people's lives, some of which may be ways he moves in your life or just other ways that he moves in other people's lives and maybe giving you confidence that he will write a unique and beautiful story in your own life. So we are going to launch the very first discernment story. We're going to launch that with my friend, Christopher West. Hi, Christopher. Hey, Elizabeth, and hello to all of your listeners out there. It is so good to have you with us. So Christopher is married to the beautiful Wendy West. And so we're going to hear a little bit more today about Christopher's discernment journey. You ready to get started? Sure. All right. So let's get started by talking about how you knew you were called to marriage. Yeah. So I have to go way back here. This is um, (laughs) the early 90s when I had a, a real reawakening of my faith and the question for the first time in my life became, am I really called to marriage? I grew up thinking, yeah, of course, one day I I hope to be married and raise kids. That was just kind of the default trajectory that I I thought I would, I would live, but it didn't didn't become a a question of faith until I had faith. And I didn't really come come to an acceptance of faith until I was in my twenties. I fell away from the church in my teen years. And in my early 20s, I had a real awakening. Jesus became real to me. And I took discerning his will for my life very seriously. And so I did. I, I for a time, even had a, a pretty strong desire to be celibate because I came to understand what it means. And, and here, I, I think it's so important because so few people understand this, just to say a few words about it. Yes, I, please. I often say, I think celibacy is an unfortunate word that we've adopted to describe this vocation because it's a negative word. It tells us what they're not doing. Well, that would, well be like, that would be like describing marriage as the non-bachelor vocation. Why, why put it in the negative? 
Let, let's point. put this put this vocation in its positive. What have they embraced? The celibate man or woman, you are celibate for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. That's what that's how Christ speaks of it. Some renounce marriage for the sake of the kingdom. They sacrifice this good thing, marriage, for a greater good. The greater good is the eternal marriage. Right? The Bible begins with the marriage of man and woman, but it ends with the marriage of Christ and the church. The whole purpose of the marriage of man and woman is to point us to the marriage of Christ and the church. So I was falling in love with, with God in such a deep way in my early 20s, and I was coming to see as beautiful and wonderful as God's plan for man and woman is, it's not our be-all and end-all. The union we desire, the love we desire, the intimacy we desire is what scripture calls the marriage of the lamb. And the thought that I could live here and now devoting myself wholly and entirely to that eternal marriage, that became quite exciting to me in my early 20s. So I did very prayerfully discern, Lord, is this what you're calling me to? And I thought for a time it might have been, but then I fell in love. <laughs> and I, I'd be, I just said, Lord, what, do I, what am I doing? What's happening here? What's, what's going on in this relationship? This, I've never known love in this way. I've never experienced it in this way. And I, I remember when Wendy and I were initially exchanging long letters, this was before email, uh, that's how <laughs> that's how long ago this was. Uh, before email, we she was living in New Jersey. I was living in Maryland. We had known each other for about three years. We met when she was a student at Catholic University, and I was a student at the University of Maryland. And we had um, a, a Christian fellowship group that we were part of on Friday nights, and we would meet at, at uh, the University of Maryland campus. And I got to know her over these three years, and I really, really enjoyed her a great deal. And uh, then she moved to Jersey after she graduated, and we started exchanging letters and having long phone calls. And, and when our relationship got to the point of, okay, where are we going with this? I remember writing in one of these letters to her, you know, I still, in the back of my mind, I sometimes wonder, am I called to be a priest? I haven't really, really concluded 100% that I'm called to marriage. Well, just to put that in context, seven weeks later, she and I were engaged. Seven so <laughs> the discernment went pretty, pretty darn quickly. Yeah. And I remember this was actually 25 years ago right now. Oh my we gosh, are recording this on May, what, May 4th? Fourth. Yes. 2020. 20. Yep. So the first week of May in 1995, I was in Rome on a pilgrimage. And it was the first time I met St. John Paul II. And uh, before I left for this pilgrimage, I went to visit Wendy in New Jersey because I was flying out of New York City. And I went to visit Wendy before I flew off for seven days. And we had only been dating for about, gosh, we had only been dating for, at that point, about four weeks. So dating like in a commitment? Like you were boyfriend-girlfriend for those four weeks? Yeah, yeah, boyfriend-girlfriend. Okay. Boyfriend, girlfriend. okay. And, 
actually, there's more to this story. If I rewind, I, I should probably rewind at this point. The first time I went to visit Wendy in New Jersey, which was about two weeks before this time when I was leaving on pilgrimage to Rome, uh, we were, you know, we were just discerning. We knew we had this beautiful friendship and we were beginning a discernment of are we meant to go deeper in our relationship? And I, I drove up to New Jersey and Wendy was doing some babysitting for some young mothers at the local parish who had a Bible study. And I went to be with her as she was watching these kids. And afterwards, this young mom came out and Wendy introduced me. And she says to me, oh, are you Wendy's boyfriend? And I, I, I mean, I, I didn't know what, I was kind of put on the spot. <laughs> and I, I was like, well, uh, uh, Wendy's standing right next to me. I said, well, uh, um, we're moving in that direction, I said. And we were, that was the honest yeah. answer. We're moving yeah. in that direction. So two weeks after that, I kid you not, these two weeks were a whirlwind of deep sharing of our hearts, mm. unfolding of our lives. Uh, my mother, and father meeting Wendy for the first time. And my mom pulled me aside uh, after about 10 minutes of talking to Wendy. And she said, what are you waiting for? She's the one. And I knew what she meant by that because when I was a little boy, my mom, when she would tuck me in to put me to, to sleep at night, she would always pray for my future wife. And, and she would say, Lord, if, if, if Christopher's called to marriage, please bless his future wife. And when she said, what are you waiting for? She's the one. She was saying, she's the one we've been praying for all these years. And I was like, I know, mom. I know. I know. I can't. I know. This is what's unfolding. It just became so evident. So now fast forward another couple of weeks and I'm going off to Rome. And I went to visit Wendy the day I was flying off to Rome. And I said, Wendy, it's so clear. I know you know, it's, we've already talked about this. We were pretty darn sure we're meant to be married. And I said, but I didn't, you know, how do you approach this? We've only been dating for a few weeks. <laughs> right. <laughs> so strange. Now do keep in mind, please, everybody listening to this, do keep in mind that we had three years of, of a rich friendship. friendship under rich our friendship. So when yeah, you're living friendship. an intentional life, guys, you can be, when you're living an intentional and a chaste life, you're able to dive into each other's hearts in a way that protects each person um, from, you know, misunderstanding intentions or um, getting too attached or whatever. So you're able, friendship really allows authentic emotional intimacy to flourish so that if God opens your eyes to maybe a deeper intimacy he's calling you to, you can see him clearly and also staying in a state of grace and having a prayer life and those sorts of things. And that, Elizabeth, that's very, very well said. And it, and it does very much apply Wendy and I were both very prayerful people with ears and eyes open to what is the Lord's plan for our life. And mm -hmm. the Lord really respected both of us because uh, Wendy is more like, um, more, Wendy's more like a crock pot. Like she, she takes a long time <laughs> to, to heat up and, and hear the Lord. And she had been for three years hoping and praying I would be her husband one oh day. Oh my goodness. I love it. I was, I was pretty oblivious to any of that. Sure. And, um, and I'm I'm kind of like a microwave. I'm as soon as I see what the Lord's doing, I'm like, "Yep, okay, let's, let's go. do it. Yep. Let's go." So here I am, about to fly off to Rome for a week. I'm going to meet the Pope. Uh, and oh, you knew you were going to meet him before you went. I, I, I knew I knew that we were going to have an audience with him. I didn't know I would actually get to meet him, but wow, there was a good chance that I was going to meet him. 
Wow. And and it did pan out that I did. Anyway, and you discovered the art of the body at this point, right? So he was. He I had was already discovered it. You. Okay. Yeah. 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 I had, I had been studying it already oh, for about two years. Amazing. Oh, what an amazing opportunity. Okay. Sorry. Got distracted okay. because I love JP2 so much. Okay. So you're going to Rome. I'm going to Rome. And I said to Wendy before I, I, before she dropped me off at the airport, I said, you know, maybe we should start talking about a time frame for, and I couldn't even say it. So I just said for the M word. <laughs> and and she says, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're going into graduate school. You have two years. We're, we have plenty of time. We're, it's not even, yeah, it's too soon to even be talking about it. You got to go to, I was planning on going to my graduate school that next fall. This was spring, yeah, May of um, 1995. And I was going to be a full-time student starting that fall of 95. So that was the word as I left. I was like, okay, I, I thought maybe we could get married while I was in school, but She's, she doesn't seem up for that, so I'll just let that be what it is. And I went off to Rome and everywhere and all these holy sites and meeting the Pope and I was having these very powerful dreams and everything was saying to me in, in my discernment, she's the one and there's no reason to wait. Mm. And I had to come home from this pilgrimage a week later after Wendy had told me, we, don't, we, don't, we shouldn't even talk about it for another... <laughs> couple years really and I had to I had to like be bold and put it out in the open and say here's what I'm hearing I'm hearing you're the one and there's no reason to wait and uh, I remember being very nervous to put this out into the open and Wendy's response was I've been hearing the same thing oh man and I was like whoo that's a relief <laughs> then so I, said, I said uh, I said okay Wendy we need to we need to really like pray earnestly and my prayer in big discernment questions goes like this lord hit me with a ton of bricks <laughs> and then when i stand up after the first ton of bricks hit me with another ton of bricks so i know it's you and i said wendy will you join me in this prayer let's pray for two tons of bricks so that we have confirmation that we are not crazy because if you just look at this on paper this is pretty crazy because we've only been dating for like five weeks. Right. And uh, so we prayed for, for two tons of bricks. And, and Wendy and her crock pot was okay with that? She was yes, like, go she for was. it, tons of bricks? She had the three, the, the crock pot was ready because it had been quivering for three of years. Ache. Yep, of not yeah. running from her ache and having courage my, to- My microwave was dinging. My microwave <laughs> was dinging away and her crock pot was, was the, the red go. light was flashing. It was ready, we were all ready. So we're like, okay, we're going to pray for two tons of bricks. And uh, we went to mass on a Monday morning, soon after I had, think I got back from the pilgrimage the, the day before. We went to mass on a Monday morning and we ran into that young mother again that we had, that I had just met three weeks earlier. Oh my goodness. And <laughs> she said she saw us praying after mass and we were walking out into the parking lot to get in our car and she pulls up. And she has tears streaming down her face. And she says, I saw you two praying after mass. And she said, she said, I, 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 she could hardly get the words out. She said, are you two, are you two engaged yet? She says, it, it's, it's, it's time for you to get engaged. Oh. <laughs> she straight up said that to you. Yeah, it's just time for you to get engaged. And I'm, I look at Wendy and my knees are kind of like buckling. Right. And I said, there's ton number one. 
and it was so uncanny. This woman, we had just met her three weeks earlier, and I couldn't even articulate if Wendy was my girlfriend. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And she said, I saw you praying. I think the Holy Spirit is saying it's time for you to get married. (laughs) And we were like, okay, okay. And we were driving right from that mass, that daily mass. It was a Monday morning. We had set an appointment before I went on the pilgrimage to meet together with the person in the diocese there in New Jersey who was in charge of chastity education. And I had some contact with him and I wanted to pick his brain because of the work that I knew I was called to do. Mm. And I said, Wendy, will you come along with me in this meeting? And she said, sure, I will. So we drove from that Monday morning mass to this meeting with this chastity educator. And we talked to him for probably an hour and just told him a little bit about who we are and why I was interested and why I invited my friend Wendy to come along to this meeting. And she also had an interest in chastity education and, and uh, we wanted to hear how he got involved in it and, you know, just picking his brain. And after an hour of conversation, he leans back in his chair and he says to us, are you too engaged? (gasps) says, it's time for you to get engaged. And keep in mind, and then he added, he added, he said, keep in mind, the Lord can speak through other people. At, at this point, I could barely, I could barely walk, get out of my chair. Right, you're like, I'm going to sit here forever. And, Holy and uh, my jaw just dropped and I said, okay, ton number two. And uh, I, we walked out of that meeting and I said, Wendy, I think I need your ring size. <laughs> oh and my goodness. I, I went, um, I drove from that meeting to Pennsylvania and um, went and started shopping for an engagement ring. I found a, a jeweler and found a beautiful antique diamond mm. and um, bought the engagement ring. I went to my pastor from my childhood who had invited me on the pilgrimage to go to Rome. So he was part of the pilgrimage and I was bringing the engagement ring to ask him to bless it. And I knocked on the the rectory door. This is the parish I grew up going to. And Monsignor McGovern was his name. And he said, oh, Christopher, I'm so glad you stopped by because I've been meaning to talk to you. He said, you were in such earnest prayer when we were on that pilgrimage in Rome last week and I just thought I I should talk to you about maybe maybe you're called to be a priest and what I said yeah I said Monsignor actually maybe you're called to be a priest I said Monsignor the reason I'm here actually today is (laughs) because I just bought this engagement ring and I want you to bless it (laughs) it's not what I thought you were gonna say I thought you were gonna say he was like you should go for it with that girl okay I'm like he didn't know about the girl oh Okay. He didn't know anything about about that. Okay, he just saw you praying. He just saw me praying very earnestly. He didn't know that I was praying about whether I'm to marry this girl. Right, okay. And he saw a young man who took prayer seriously and he thought he should invite him to consider becoming a priest. Sure. And it was just just funny that I I said, actually, Monsignor, the reason I'm here is to have you bless this engagement ring that I just bought. (laughs) So then I, I went and Wendy's father died when she was a girl. So I, I wasn't able to have any conversation with him, obviously. So I went and talked to her, his, her mother. 
to, to express my intentions. And she grilled me. She grilled me for three hours. My goodness. As to why I wanted to be her daughter's husband. And it was kind of a sweat fest. I was a little, little sweating a little bit, but I, I actually also really respected her for digging deep. She wanted to, she really wanted to get to know me better and understand my true motivations. And at the end of a three hour kind of grill session, she said to me, you know, ever since Wendy was a little girl, I've been praying for her future husband. And now I know all these years I've been praying for you. So our mothers, our mothers prayed us together. Oh. We were utterly convinced of that. Oh. It was utterly clear that we were called to marriage. And I must say, Elizabeth, that firm resolve, that firm conviction, those two tons of bricks and everything falling into place as it did, we needed that because later on in our married life, we faced some really difficult struggles mm. and struggles to the point where you, you could begin to question, was I supposed to marry this person? Mm. Uh, because of just how different we were and how many struggles we were having and, and how different we were in temperament and uh, that knowledge that we could not deny. No, no, no. We know that was the Lord. We didn't make that up. And it, it gave us the confidence to, to press deeper in, to come to aware, an awareness that the Lord really wanted us, as different as we are, he wanted us to be husband and wife because I have to learn from Wendy's differences how to become more human. And she needs to learn from my differences how to become more human. Mm -hmm. And that our differences in our fallen humanity, our differences are, can be a conflict. But the call is to recognize differences as complementary. And the knowledge that we really were called to the sacrament has gotten both of us through some, some really painful times. So, yeah, I, I know that's not the same for everybody. Sometimes people look back and they didn't have that same kind of clarity. But I know that the Lord knew we would need that clarity later on in our marriage, and he granted us that clarity. Mm. And I'm very grateful for that. What a story. Okay. I have some really, I have some things that have stuck out to me. So the first one that I love is that Wendy crockpotted her, you know, yes. longing for you for three years. Yes. That is so beautiful. I think so many people would be tempted to like take that ache elsewhere, right? To not have the courage yes. to sit in it, to not have the courage to open your heart to it. Guys, if you haven't listened to the podcast that I've previously put out with Christopher about what to do with your longing, how to make yourself, your longing and yourself a prayer, like I, it really seems like go listen to it. If you haven't listened to it, listen to it, because it really seems like that was really being lived out in Wendy's spiritual life as she marinated in her desire for you, but didn't, you know, follow the Lord's prompting and taking action. Um, I love that. Yeah. And then because she'd done that, when her microwave boyfriend was like, I think we should think about this. She was already in a place where she could be like, you know what? Okay. Like, even though this isn't necessarily maybe her, her normal temperamental approach to things, she was able because she had marinated in the Lord's love and in her longing and in prayer for so long, she could take the action she needed to take 
when she needed to take it. So I love that. I can shine even more of a light on that, okay. Elizabeth, which, which is very interesting and played a, a pivotal role in my realizing there's no way I'm ever going to let go of this woman. Mm. Um, when, we, when we were friends during college uh, and she had this longing, you know, hoping one day I would be her husband, I was, the reason I didn't, there was not a reciprocal thing going on there is because I was pursuing a relationship with someone else. And really? yeah, I, I won't get into all the details, but sure. there was a, a factor there that prevented me from having a relationship with this other person. Okay. And I'll, I'll just give the other person's first name. Her name was Laura. Okay. And uh, Laura was, Laura and Wendy and I were all part of this Christian fellowship group that would meet on Friday nights. Oh my gosh. So bless Wendy's heart. Every Friday night, she sees this man that she is probably in love with, or at least I was yes. blocking and she for. Can tell pursuing she knows. Laura. She knows that I'm pursuing Laura. Oh my goodness. Wendy. And, and she also knew that for some reason, Laura and I were not together. And when Wendy and I were falling in love, uh, she said to me, tell me more about that whole chapter with Laura. What was going on there? Why did you two never date? Because it was, it was obvious to people that we wanted to date, but we didn't date. And the, the reason we didn't date is because her father wouldn't allow it. Okay. And, and I, I thought to myself, oh gosh, for crying out loud, I just learned we're, we're on this long distance phone conversation and Wendy is telling me that for three years, she was hoping that we would have a relationship. And during those same three years is when I was hoping I would have a relationship with Laura. Right. And, and now Wendy is saying, tell me more about why you and Laura never had a relationship. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if I tell Wendy this story, she's going to get all jealous and, and catty like, like girls get. And I don't want to do, forget that. I'm not going to, she said, I said, no, no, I don't want to tell you that story. She said, please, I want to get to know you. This is part of getting to know you. I really want to know the story. And I, I, I told her, I told her the story. And sure enough, at the end of the line, I hear her kind of sniffling. And I'm like, oh, darn it. I knew it. She's all jealous now. And, and, she, and then she starts to tell me a story that utterly blew me away. I realized she was sniffly on the other end of the phone not for herself. She said, I'm not crying for me. I'm crying for you. I'm realizing for the first time how painful this was for you. And she said, let me tell you something that I observed and something that was going on in me. And, you know, we're all part of the same group of friends. And um, she had observed that Laura and I were not together, although it seemed we wanted to get together. And Wendy had inquired, why, why aren't Christopher and Laura a couple? And she had been told that Laura was not interested in me, which was not true, but that was, that was kind of the, the cover-up story. Sure. And Wendy knew that that was a cover-up story because Wendy's smart enough to observe that Laura had interest in right. me. Which is evidently not... Uh, right. Without feeling for you. Right. So, sure. so Wendy, Wendy's telling me on the phone, this is like a year after that all was all going down between me and Laura. She said, so I, she said, I saw that 
Laura had interest in you and you had interest in her, but there was some foreign force that was keeping you apart. So I started praying that whatever that was would be removed so that you two could have a relationship. And I said, excuse me, what did you just say? She said, well, I started praying that you and Laura would have a relationship. I said, what? Didn't you just tell me that during the very same time you were hoping you and I would have a relationship? She said, yes. I said, then why were you praying that Laura and I would have a relationship? She said, well, wasn't that what you wanted? And I said, yes. And she said, well, that's why I was praying for it, because I wanted what was best for you. I wanted what you wanted. I was like, what? Excuse me? I couldn't. Wow. I could Elizabeth, at that time in my life, I couldn't fathom that kind of selfless love. Yeah. And she, and Wendy also told me that her friends used to say, look, Christopher doesn't even notice you. If you want to have a relationship with him, you got to, you got to go get him. You got to sink your claws into him. You got to hook him. And she said, absolutely not. If I would never do, if this is meant to be, if this is God's will, it will happen, mm -hmm. happen. If I manipulate him into a relationship, then it's, that's not rent genuine love. Mm. Love means love means you lay down your own life for the other person. You sacrifice your own desires for the good of the other person. When I was learning that this is the way this woman loved people and that this is the way she loved me. Right. I, yeah. I said, there's, I, there's no way I'm letting go of this woman. There's no way, no way am I letting go of this woman. Wow. Oh, that's so beautiful. Oh my gosh. There's so much to unpack there. Guys, if this story is resonating in your heart, please take it to prayer. Like there's so, so much in Wendy's posture that is just so right. Like it, the posture towards someone that you have feelings for towards this very tumultuous season of like dating, especially when you have a big group of friends, like there's just so much there. And Wendy's posture is just and that's, you are exactly right, Elizabeth, in what you said earlier, that that Wendy's posture, which is called chastity, by the way. Um, yes. That it's an integral chastity. Yeah, I had not thought and about it that way, but you are so right. Chastity means your desires are directed towards authentic love. Mm, that's what chastity ordered. means. And Wendy's mm. desire, I'm not saying my she was a saint, I'm not saying she was perfect, but to for a how old was she she was she was uh you know this is when she was 19 to 22 wow. so at that very tender age where your desires can get the best of you wendy was was learning how to direct those desires towards selfless love and that's what enabled our relationship to accelerate so quickly and to be so clear that we were meant to be husband and wife right. absolutely because of that chastity. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love this inclusive definition of chastity. That isn't just, I'm abstinent, you know, no, like there's no, no. so much more to the virtue. And I love that this, I, I love that. I love that, like that full integration of authentic love directly ordered or properly so ordered. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to quote Carol Wojtyla and love okay. and responsibility. He says, chastity is the ability to raise all of your emotional and sensual reactions and desires to the level of the dignity of the person. Mm. 
Chastity is the virtue that allows us to raise our emotions, our attractions, our desires to the level of the dignity of the person. And that's what Wendy did. She had emotion towards me, desire, attraction towards me. She was hoping I would be her husband. But she learned by God's grace how to direct those desires, not towards a selfish grasping so that she could gratify those desires. She learned how to direct those desires towards the dignity of this other person, which happened to be me. And the dignity of the other person demands that you don't manipulate, that you don't um, that you don't degrade the other, that you don't try to grasp or control the other, but you respect the other person's freedom. Hmm. And, and you entrust, you entrust, you entrust that person and yourself to the plan of the Lord. Now that doesn't mean that you don't also take steps or actions. It doesn't mean you just sit back and do nothing. Right. Um, Absolutely. I mean, it, Absolutely. It was clear that Wendy enjoyed being with me. It was clear that we had a beautiful friendship. She wasn't just hiding in the corner saying, if this is God's will, Christopher will come approach me hiding over in this corner. We had a relationship. We had a real yes. relationship. Yes, yes, yes. She pursued a friendship with you. She pursued a friendship a with me, but she didn't try to, <laughs> she didn't try to manipulate me into having that friendship go in a particular direction or violate the boundaries of the friendship to try Correct. to get her desires met in a disordered way. Correct. You know, she was able to maintain the boundaries of the friendship and take her longing where it needed to go, which is to, to the, the stars, Lord, right? To the Lord, to open, open her heart. Mm. Okay. There's two other things before we finish up that I want to highlight from your story that stuck out to me. The first is you knew who you were before the Lord and how you needed him to communicate to you. So you, through what I'm imagining are years of earnest prayer, you were able to realize, I need God to hit me over the head with two tons of bricks because one won't be enough, right? So you had spent time with the Lord cultivating your, you know, your really your identity um, and you knew what you needed. And then you weren't afraid to ask because you knew that God is a good father who is the same God who set the burning bush on fire and part of the Red Sea, right? So you had this uh, faith in him that he was going to, um, you, you could ask him for things, right? And he's a good father and he's going to answer you. Um, I love that. I love that. That is such a beautiful, um, a beautiful thing to work on cultivating now for people who are listening, who want to be in relationships or who are in relationships, but want to know if you're called to get married is like really turning to the Lord in prayer, cultivating that authentic relationship and allowing um, yourself, allowing you to get to know yourself before the Lord and knowing him in relationship with you. I love that. Thank you, Elizabeth, for reflecting that back to me. Cause I, you're, you're right. Uh, I, I don't know that I would have, expressed it that way, but that I think is the right way to express it. There was a trust that if I asked for two tons of bricks, that he would grant them. And right. man, did, did, man he grant he, did he grant them. And then the third thing that really stuck out to me is you trusted the Lord that he gave you those two bricks and you had asked him for two bricks or two tons two of tons. bricks. Two tons of bricks. You asked him for two tons of bricks. He gave you two tons of bricks. You took action and then you weren't swayed because I think a lot of people would have heard the priest say, you should discern the priesthood and wavered in their conviction, but uh, you didn't, right? No, because I was, it was, it got, it was so clear. It, we, it. Wendy and I used to joke, it was so clear that it would have been a matter of disobedience. Had yeah, we not yeah but yes. Yeah. And so like, but that is a fruit of such 
you know, hope and trust in who God is and in your own ability to discern and your own ability to say yes, but then your ability to close your mind to future options. You were like, this is it. I asked him for it. He gave it to me and I'm moving on. And you were not swayed from that path, even by a good holy priest that you so obviously respected, right? Who said the opposite. You were like, nope, no, it's God. Like, I know we're done here. I love that. I'll underscore again that, you know, marriage is meant to to bring you into a confrontation with your broken humanity. And we, we, yeah, we hit, we, we ran into our broken humanity in our engagement Mm. and, and it was rough. Um, And I was not at a place during our engagement where I was mature enough to look at it. Wendy saw a lot of my brokenness on display during our engagement. And it was years later, like 10 years into married life, when I said, when she confessed to me after we had been through a lot of trials and uh, I was looking, we were both looking back at some early pains in our relationship. And, and Wendy said, you know, I, I kind of saw all this coming during our engagement. I said, you saw this coming? Why? I said, why did you still marry me? Mm. And she said, because I knew that the Lord was calling us to marriage and I knew you enough to know that one day you would be willing to look at this like we're doing now. Oh my goodness. And a decade later. Yeah, it was a decade later before I was really willing to look at some of the immaturity in me and my own brokenness that really caused my wife a lot of pain and, and vice versa. Some of Wendy's immaturity and brokenness that ended up causing me a lot of pain. Sure. So, you know, there, there is, there's a, there's a way you could look at the story as kind of overly romantic. And I, I want to caution against that. I do want to praise God for how clear he was and thank him for how clear he was both for my sake and Wendy's sake that we knew, we knew we had this vocation to each other. Right. And as I said, jokingly, it would, it was so clear that it would have been a matter of disobedience <laughs> had we not followed through. Right. But, but again, that was, I think a, a preemptive grace mm-hmm. uh, because of the trials we would face later that, that we needed to know beyond any shadow of a doubt, it was God who brought us together and that the, the, the bumping into our own brokenness and the pain we caused one another in our own brokenness was not a sign that something was going wrong, right? but it was a sign that our sacrament was doing its job. Right, that th- something was going very right, right? That you're the being- job of the sacrament yes, yes, yes. is to heal you of your crap. Yes, yes, and yes, the way, yes, yes. The way, you know, to go with an image from theology of the body, right? We are, all of us, because we're broken, we are full of spiritual S-H-I-T, and that that spiritual SHIT has to get out mm-hmm. and it doesn't smell good when it's coming out. Mm. And if right. that's happening in your relationship, it doesn't necessarily mean something's gone wrong. It might mean that you're right where you're meant to be. The I'll put it in the Polish. The shitski's coming out. Let it out. Let it out. Yep. Mm. Get it out. Right don't don't there. dump it on each other. I mean, yeah. the goal <laughs> yeah. is. This is the mistake that I think we made early in our marriage was we had all this junk from just being fallen human beings and and we were dumping it on each other. Mm. 
and the one of the real graces of our married life was learning how to dump that on Jesus. Mm. That's what the confessional is. That's what working out, you know, your spiritual growth is all about. It's it's the getting the the spiritual crud out of you so that so that and and out of you and onto the Lord. This is why he died. This is why he died on the cross. He died with all of our crapola upon him. And he longs for us to give him our crapola. Give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. Because the more we give it to the Lord, the more it comes out of us. And then the Lord can fill us with his... Here's, here's the image that um, Pope Benedict XVI uses. And I think he got this from St. Augustine. Uh, so Benedict says... If the Lord wishes you wishes to fill you with honey, but you're full of vinegar, where will he put the honey? He says the, the, the spiritual life, the interior life, involves a journey of purification where the vinegar comes out mm. so that we can then be filled with the honey. And he says this is a very painful process of purification. But only by enduring that painful process of purification do our hearts become suited vessels to receive that honey. And what, I, what marriage has taught Wendy and me, among many other things it's taught us, is that you start off the relationship with a lot of vinegar in there. There's some honey in there, to be sure. There's no doubt I was attracted to all kinds of honey in her, and she was attracted to all kinds of honey in me but we we underestimated how much vinegar was also in there mm. and it takes hard work allowing the purifying light and fire of the lord to to burn away that vinegar and to allow the honey to to flourish so be not afraid be not afraid of that journey it's worth the rewards of those purifications make the purifications totally worth it totally worth it and there's always more i i remember i was on a retreat some years ago and i was i've going through another painful purification i said to my retreat leader who was a priest at the time in his late 80s now he's in his 90s i said do the purifications ever stop and he said uh yeah yeah about 15 minutes after you die <laughs> So oh. <laughs> we, need to make, we need to make peace with the purifications. Between here and the beatific vision, all of the vinegar has to come out. Mm. And don't put it off. Some people say, oh, fine, I'm fine. I'll, great, thank God for purgatory. I'll just wait till then. No, 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 no. Because if you don't go through the work now, those, 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 that junk, that vinegar calcifies. And it kind of cakes on layer after layer, and you have all the more purification you have to go through later. And guess who will love you if you are willing to go through the purifications now? Everyone in your life. <laughs> I was like, where are you going with this? Yes, they will. Because if, if, if you don't go, if you don't, if you aren't willing to go through the purifications now, then you're going to be dumping that vinegar on, on everyone yes. in your life. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. 
Well, this was great. Thank you so much for sharing both your story and so much wisdom that you've gleaned from so many years of marriage and purification and getting the vinegar out and pouring the honey in. Thank you so great much. For me, Elizabeth, that I keep going because I know Absolutely. there are more purifications. Let them let, pray that I will embrace them and let them do their work in me. Mm, I absolutely will. Thank you so much for joining us today, Christopher. You're welcome, Elizabeth. Bye. I hope y'all enjoyed getting to hear this story of how Christopher knew he was called to marriage. It was so fun to hear it myself, uh, to get to listen to it, knowing Christopher and Wendy and how their beautiful love story has played out over these last couple of decades. And so I hope that you had fun also. As a reminder, uh, if you love what we're doing here, please subscribe to the podcast, share it with uh, anyone you think would be uh, blessed by this work that we're doing, and follow along on Instagram at Discerning Marriage, and we'd love to continue the conversation there. So until next time, stay close to the heart of Jesus and be not afraid. The Discerning Marriage podcast is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute. For more information about discerning marriage, visit discerningmarriage.com. To learn more about the theology of the body, visit tobinstitute.org.